Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of A Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast, where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. Hey, we're, we're a team, right? I like to think we team up. Yeah, we, we are a team. We team up every week to rank these stories. Uh, I appreciate that. I, I love that we get a team up, and we get, we get a team up in such fun ways that like, if we were to take a break, I think that our team-up is so iconic that should we return from that break, it would be christened as legends returning to the field of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. <I've... laughs> I mean, really. Sense. I like that. The thing, the thing is, Adam, when you're the third most popular X-Men podcast out there, yeah. you, you, get, you get legend status real quick. It just it gets applied to you. It's true. I mean, they should practically make action figures out of us or something. Uh, are you telling? Are you telling me that we should be X Men legends? <laughs> we we really should be. Uh, we should be scripted by, you know, X Men writers of yore and uh, random X artists of today. <laughs> but we are talking about team ups today, uh, legendary or otherwise. I would venture to say that few people would call these specific team ups legend. Wait for it, a dairy. Man, you remember when we used to do that a lot? That show, I feel like How I Met Your Mother has faded from the public consciousness a little bit. Never watched it. Really? I mean, spoiler alert, How He Meets the Mother is unsatisfying in a way that has only been eclipsed by, like, Game of Thrones Season 8. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I think I read something about that. It's not great. Honestly, the whole last season of that show's weaker than it should be. Mm. People... People uh, give the last season more hate than it probably deserves based on the fact that the ending is so poor. But in general, it's a show that went on too long and lost its footing and also was the last dying breath of like the Friends inspired sitcoms, I feel. Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, I'm I, I'm still kind of surprised that I didn't watch it, given that I was a big fan of Allison Hannigan from Buffy and Jason Segel. She's great. People don't like her character because her character is flawed and bad uh -oh. and a messy person. And apparently they didn't watch Seinfeld and understand <laughs> that those are the best comedy protagonists. <laughs> so uh, we are going to start with... Uh... One of your favorites and one of my favorites teaming up here, Wolverine and Jubilee. Who requested this? Wait, hold on, hold on. When did I say Wolverine was one of my favorites? I've said I like Wolverine. I said <laughs> we all like Wolverine. You've been very much on the pro-Wolverine train, defending Wolverine. Uh, I am. I think Wolverine's I mean... neat. He has swords <laughs> in his hands, Adam? Have you, have you noticed the fact that he's got, he's got three swords in each hand? That's pretty neat. Hey... You know, I, I just saw on Marvel's Twitter that there's going to be, like, a new what-if version of Wolverine with four claws coming out of his hands. Okay, no, hold on. That's actually not what-if Wolverine. It's a new, I think, five-issue miniseries called What If Miles Morales? Where well, it's... I figured it was Miles. Five, yes. But the miniseries is going to be five different 
things about what if Miles Morales was this superhero instead of oh. Spider-Man, which <laughs> I think is weird. I think it's weird and kind of dumb. Eh, I just I love I love Miles Morales. I think Miles is great. <laughs> I have no interest in seeing what if Miles Morales was Thor. That sounds dumb. That doesn't <laughs> even do, sound like good. Just do comics. good stuff that with Miles. Dumb. Right? <laughs> yeah, literally give Miles one good book. That's all. <laughs> that's all we're asking. You give you give Miles Morales the title amazing the book titled The Amazing Spider Man, uh, written by friend of the show Vita Ayala, with art uh, primarily by uh, Ricardo Lopez Ortiz, who did the poll with uh, with Steve Orlando has been doing some stuff with on Batman with the Ghost uh, Ghost Maker backups. You know about Ghost Maker, right? Hold on, Adam. Do you know about Ghost Maker? I know about Ghost Maker and Clown Puncher and Punchline and mohawk designer and all the rest of the really amazing new batman characters that seem to pop up every three seconds in the dc universe. hey you say that you say that ironically literally all those characters rule <laughs> all those characters are good actually uh no but i do think i do think we we do need to give miles literally one good book it, it one good nice. book one good book kind of ever i think like there's been some there's been perfectly fine miles morales comics I I do want the best Miles Morales comic not to be a bit where Jonathan Hickman has him pull a burger out of his pants and say, I had a burger for three weeks. <laughs> That's true. It's That's, a great scene. The character does need better. Uh, like I, I said, mean, the, though, best, the best Miles Morales is that movie. Yes. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know how to transition from this to the first story. Who requested the first story? Uh, it was Robert. Robert's a longtime uh, supporter of the show. Uh, great, great dude. Uh, and wanted to talk about some team ups. Uh, and the first one is Wolverine and Jubilee. Uh, it is a mini series written by Catherine Eminen uh, with pencils by Phil Noto. Yeah. Um, and inks and colors by Phil. And this is right after Jubilee has been transformed into a vampire. So we oh, yeah, this is Curse of the Mutants Fallout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they figured out how to keep Jubilee unsuper vampirized. She's still a vampire. She'll always be a vampire up until strains run. Uh, but they figured out if they give her blood transfusions from good old Logan, um, that she can kind of live a sort of normal life, I guess. And she's uh, grumpy this is a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Well, so this book does posit that in 2011, Jubilee was 17, which I do feel is under undershooting her well, character development. Yeah, yeah. It's always tough I, uh, with these sliding timelines. It's it's just it's just when Generation X ended. Her <laughs> and Angelo Espinoza did move back to L.A. and like have their own place. So I assumed they were of renting age. You would hope. You know, but, uh, you know, doesn't seem to be the case here. It doesn't, does it? No, no. And, um, you know, she's she's got newfound strength, um, you know, new strength, new power. And everybody just kind of wants to be super helpful. And Jubilee's like, man, if everybody could just leave me alone so I could deal with the fact that I'm a freaking vampire. I like Jubilee. You like Jubilee. One of us, not going to name names. One of us has done a multi-year project about Jubilee. <laughs> and I would I would say that 
my favorite version of Jubilee, and I can't speak for you, Adam, but my favorite version of Jubilee is not hella angsty. Um, generally, no. Generally, uh, Jubilee is usually in, you know, fairly high spirits and maybe a little complainy. Um, you know, it's just kind of part of her character. Here, she is very, very angsty. Um, and it's understandable, but it also feels... It's not that the character can't have range, but it does feel a little bit off. I, I don't know. What do you think? It feels very limiting, and I'm going to be real. I think there's people who like the concept of Vampire Jubilee, and I can appreciate that. And as a, as a straight dude, uh, this is what a lot of people have told me is the biggest indication that I'm a straight dude in their eyes is that I do not like the idea of Vampire Jubilee. That's because I had to read Victor Glesher's run of X-Men, which is unambiguously bad and boring and all about vampires which the x-men shouldn't be all about vampires and even <laughs> Catherine imminen who is a talented writer in her own right she does not make jubilee a character that i would like to spend time with it's it's tough because you want to empathize with the character you understand that she's going through tough times we obviously bring all of the past jubilee stories with us as we go into this but um, the, the writing doesn't make her all that sympathetic, um, mainly because she just basically wants to be left alone and, and doesn't want any of the, the help that anybody's giving her. Um, so we don't, there's not a ton of glimmers of the Jubilee that we know coming through. There are, there are a couple, um, but, uh, the main cast here is Wolverine. Uh, we get a, a, a nice, cameos from pixie and armor and then rock slide is unusually uh a major character in here oh you're you're talking about jubilee's teen boyfriend rock slide <laughs> it does seem like that here which uh, is awkward they 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 have a they have a relationship in this that is not platonic uh, uh because jubilee's jubilee's dealing with a evil vampire queen who's part of an underground vampire mob uh and she gets trapped in a weird vampire dimension and rock slide uh happened to absorb half of the key to get into the weird vampire dimension so him and wolverine have to help her also wolverine takes her to siberia because it's dark most of the time which i thought was very nice of him you know um it, uh, so on one hand yes on the other hand 30 days of night the movie came out four years before this and it was based <laughs> on a comic book before then uh so it's not novel i didn't say it was novel it also uh the the thing that's funny about this uh miniseries is that wolverine is really intent on giving jubilee the the tough love uh treatment here and it, you you have to imagine that wolverine must have learned this lesson before that that is not going to work <laughs> but i guess not i don't i don't know how he listen wolverine's kind of dumb i love him he's dumb <laughs> I get that his bad ideas didn't work out. You know what I like about this series is that there is a woman in uh, Oakland pretending to be a dry cleaner who's also a dragon who controls the entry to their dimension. That's okay. really funny. I So that brings up something that's interesting. And this is something that I have found in other Catherine Eminem uh, work, specifically her work uh, with the X-Men books. I don't tonally get it. I'll it's, give you that. 
Yeah. I don't know what we're trying to do here. Because you think and you feel like it's a big vampire story and continuing that thread. But it's not. And it's just... it. It feels weird to have a story about Vampire Jubilee dealing with vampires, being framed by vampires, but the actual crux of the stuff has very little to do with vampires. It has no. to do with this weird other dimension and like where stuff floats around. Pawn bro interdimensional pawnbrokers? Yeah. I I I do think it's a little bit wonky in terms of, of tone. I think that, um, you know, I've read better imminent stories. I think that the, the dialogue here is a little stilted as well. Um, just doesn't super feel natural all the time. Um, I think Phil Noto is doing a very nice job with the art. Um, my only complaint here is that I don't love his rock slide. Um, I don't you know, love his rock slide, but I like I don't hate his rock slide. No. I understand his rock slide. Yes, he's he's emoting with his rock slide, uh, which I think is good. It's it's more of just a design uh, thing. He's he rock slide has too much of what I would call a, like a human face. Um, it's not usually how I picture him, you know. Yeah, I mean, I that that is a design thing, and I can I can appreciate that. But I didn't I did not have that same experience. I do really like what Nodo does here. His lines are a lot softer. We talked about this. Did we talk about this a couple of episodes? Yeah, ago? with uh, X Uncanny X Force. We did, we did. Yeah, he's doing. This is this is a lot closer to the style of Phil Noto that I really enjoy. Yep. The lines are a lot softer, the colors are a little more muted, in not in a not in a like everything is gray and brown kind of way, but just more in a like stylistic calming kind of sense. It's really, I really do enjoy the art here, and it's it's. I wish it was paired with a story that I enjoyed more. It's what it what it comes down to to me is that I like Wolverine and Jubilee as a duo, but I think very specifically I like Wolverine and Jubilee as a duo as written by Larry Hama, and I'm not sure there's anyone <laughs> who's captured that in the same way before or since. Yeah, I mean, the, the opening uh, blurb as you go into the first book explicitly talks about them having sort of like this mentor-mentee slash father-daughter relationship. And it, it, it doesn't quite nail that. Um, so I, I enjoyed looking at this book. I think it's really nice. I think the story's a little convoluted. And the characterization is, at least on the part of Jubilee especially, is just, just a little off. Which is kind of understandable because you're, you're trying to set a new normal for this character. But it, it just doesn't have enough of that original uh, vibe to click, if you will. I agree. It just it misses the mark and doesn't give me what I want out of a Wolverine and Jubilee story. Yeah. So uh, we should probably rank this on our big old list. What do you think? I think we have a big old list of X-Men stories. Uh, in fact, there's 576 X-Men stories on this list. The best, ranked from best to worst, obviously. Of course. It'd be weird. Number one is the House of X, Powers of Ten. Uh, number 100 is the Executioner's Song. Number 200 is What If the X-Men Had Stayed in Asgard? Uh, number 300 on our list is Marvel Comics Presents 10 through 17, Colossus, God's Country, Number 400 on our list is Iceman Volume 3, 1 through 5, Thawing Out. Number 500 on our list is X-Men Noir. And the Draco is at the very bottom. <laughs> of course. Uh, it's where yeah. it belongs. Yeah, let's see. So, 
I want to see where this is. Um, Kitty Pride and Wolverine, I think, is you know obviously a much more successful. Oh story. yeah, that's way better. That's all the way up at two oh seven. Um, yeah. Um, this is not like, that. High. Listen, I think God's Country is better than this. That's Definitely. a three hundred. That's a that's a three hundred. Um, is it better or worse than the uh, first five issues of Iceman Volume Three by Cena Grace? I think that's worse. I think I think I think Iceman Volume Three is better than this. Okay. Um, Though I think we're we're getting close to the right spot. Yeah, I think this is better than the Five Lights at four twenty four. What do you think? Yeah, it is. But I don't think this is better than four twenty one, which is Wolverine: Enemy of the State. Yeah, I'll have something else to say about Mark Miller later in this show, but um, He's bad. I, I would I, agree. Y'all, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's. Is, I don't think it's a positive you have to say about Mark Miller, right? No. Um, I also would probably put the uh, Professor X's Juggernaut. What if uh, above this too? But this is probably, probably better than New Warriors Thirty One. The art's no? better. Okay. Phil no, yeah. no, Phil Noto's art's better. Yeah. This is our new number four twenty-three. Okay uh zach on to the main event (laughs) yeah so this one is not this one's not going to sound like a crossover until we tell you the title that it was marketed under and it's collected in trades under uh and that it was put in front of us under which is x-force slash cable the legend returns uh from 2004 by uh rob liefeld and fabian siesa Yes, and this is cataloged as X Force Volume Two, numbers one and one two six. Um, God, I feel bad for for our buddy Fabes here. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, listen, listen. <laughs> Here's the thing about Fabian Nicieza. He hasn't had a nearly forty year career in comics because he was willing to say no to a paycheck. That is true. That is true. Um, well, we open. On page one, with a man riding around with a large white bath towel as a cape on horseback. Uh, He has a metal arm. Is this Cable in some sort of medieval fantasy chasing down something called Scorn? I honestly don't know. What's called what? Scorn. S-K-O-R-N-N. Scorn. Oh, okay. Okay, scorn. Scorn. You know, you know, that's misspelled like three different ways, Robert. (laughs) I thought Bobby Bobby Liefeld with uh, thorn and (laughs) then. But no, at one point, at one point in this book, it is lettered as S K O R R N N, which is hilarious. (laughs) Like Uh, it, it was so messed up that the letterer. Did screw it up, which is reasonable. And the editor didn't even catch it because, like, oh, this is Rob's stupid freaking made up name. Yeah, Mike yeah. Martz. Mike Martz was like, "I'm just let's just get this out." <laughs> so uh, this comes from a period of time after several of the Rob's publishing endeavors, um, including Maximum Image, Maximum, uh, or excuse me, Extreme Studios, Maximum Press, uh, awesome entertainment i feel like arcade comics may have been in there too have all kind of collapsed under their own uh, lack of output um despite i think alan moore trying to hold up supreme for as long as possible but uh the robs here 
He is working directly from his pencils throughout this entire thing. Um, and the credits say Rob Liefeld, everything but. And then we get our, <laughs> our other credits. Um, first it thing, is weird. Okay, it's weird that everything but scripting. Uh, which, right. Un- understood. That's <laughs> Fabian Nicieza was not coming up with the plots on this one. This was no. this was making plots out of out of the pencils that were there. And the, the what I assume was five minutes that Rob told him over lunch. Um, colors by Matt Yaki and letters by Russ Wooten. Rob, I've got to tell you, that's not in everything but. That's a Rob did a little bit more than a lot of people <laughs> in general. And that's good. But also a lot of other people worked on that comic. Yes. Uh, but it still turned out like a hot turd on the sidewalk, my friends. Uh, this one is rough. <laughs> so a lot of people, and we're going to start here. Yeah. A lot of people over a lot of time have made fun of Rob Liefeld's art. Yes. And a lot of that criticism I feel is reductive and I feel is not good art criticism. Oh, he doesn't draw feet. He can't draw feet. Shut up. No one's paying attention to the feet. No one cares about it. He, he also draws does feet draw feet. None. He also does draw feet. They're weird triangles. But listen, listen, I'm looking, I'm looking at some Stuart Eminem feet right now. That it's a poster and it does have feet on it. it I do not have bespoke Stuart Eminem feet on <laughs> 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 my wall. No, I'm looking at Stuart Eminem feet though. Look like weird tri- weird triangles. I'm looking at I'm looking at some feet on a bunch of different comics I've got. It's mostly just weird triangles. You just notice it because some guy on the internet made a joke about Rob once and then it made it into a movie. What a weird thing. I'm waiting for the butt here. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. But this comic legitimately has some of the worst art I have ever seen. And it's different than the Rob's normal bad art. This is normally, like, it, I, I will... St- I will stand up for whatever reason in the new mutants and early X-Force stuff that he does. Even if the anatomy is wonky, there is a dynamism to all of those pages. They are easy and straightforward to follow. Like I understand what's happening mostly because what's happening is a guy jumping and yelling, (laughs) but I get it. I understand what the Rob's doing there. Mm -hmm. Adam, this book is incomprehensible in terms of art. Is there a sense of scale for the characters? There's no. a page where two characters are standing next to each other three or four different times on the page, and they change in height. Not a small amount, but we're talking like a six-foot delta between them. It's oh, yes. buck yeah. wild. Yeah, we're we're talking uh, some characters looking very, 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 very tall and elongated. Others looking very, very, very short and tiny. Huh. I... I I, I think we would be, let's just give a quick synopsis here and then we'll get into some of the other challenges that came with this book. Um, so uh, Cable has reassembled uh, a version of X-Force because I guess he wants to go kill this monster named Scorn who eventually right. is going to eat all of mutant kind. Now, as that is happening, another brand spanking new Rob Liefeld creation comes on the scene named John Spector to warn Cannonball about the fact that this is all Cable's fault. I do want to make a point. You say Scorn wants to eat all of mutant kind, and I feel like in comics, 
If you're like in comics, we are trained by the concept of Galactus who wants to eat the world, but that doesn't mean Galactus wants to vor the world, for example. <laughs> right. No, Scorn just literally wants to consume and masticate yep. and digest. All of mutant kind. All of mutant kind. And apparently can do that at a speed that would make Pudgy Pig from the Power Rangers feel like a bit of a slowpoke. <laughs> now, to kill Scorn, they have to um, go to like a weird, unspecified Asian temple to get the, what do they call it? The, oh, you're talking about the Five Fingers of Annihilation? The Five Fingers of Annihilation, which is like a Rob Liefeld sword. kind of looks like a Swiss Army knife. Oh, can we talk about the Five Fingers of Annihilation for a second? Yes, please. Because the Five Fingers of Annihilation has five blades. Great. Love that. They don't use it to stab? Ever. No. Even in the climactic part, Cable holds it, absorbs all of the energy from this, and then uses a different weapon to do a close-range stab instead of this sword. Right. Yeah, he... He ha it kind of has to get explained by Fabes via like text bubbles to explain you know how he was having that. He was saying he's like, <laughs> Rob, we made this whole thing about this freaking sword. This this whole thing. Why why did you draw Why didn't you use the sword, Rob? <laughs> it's bad, folks. It's really bad. Now, um I I went on a bit of a rabbit hole about this because um if you've never seen the Twitter account Comrade Bolsky um, who I highly recommend does some amazing threads about the image era, just finished up doing a really amazing couple of threads about the ultraverse. Highly recommend you check it out. Um, mentioned offhand that scorn as a concept may actually have been a, um, a, a solicited idea from one of Rob's past publishers. Um, he would know. never, uh, now, so I made the mistake of going and looking for this. This was a huge mistake. I ended up reading and looking at some of the worst comics I have ever seen in my entire life, including a Rob Liefeld, Mark Miller comic that was one of the most offensive things I have ever seen in my entire life as a comics reader. Um, I did not find scorn. <laughs> it's funny because you said that, like you told me, he was like, you're like, Zach, I'm reading this Mark Miller comic and this is horrible. And you went down all the ways and I just said, yeah, bro. Where have you been? This is what Mark Miller does. He also did Old Man Logan. I think that one's neat. The rest, just not. It's like he's he's a scorpion. It's in his nature. <laughs> it's in his nature to be racist. It's <laughs> yes. What, Apparently, what do you think Mark Miller is going to do if he if he is riding on your back across the stream? He is going to sting you, and he's going to say LOL, LMFAO as he drowns. Yes. Um, so, uh, both of us looked into this a little bit more and it, it is striking in the second issue when we cut from the normal, uh, look of the book to a large section that looks largely watercolored and, and the colors actually look pretty cool. Um, honestly, the greatest looking Rob Liefeld art I've ever seen. Sure. Spectacular. The issue with this is that, um, and I can't tell whether this is the specific thing but i have to guess that it is um is that there are pages that were inserted into this book that are from other unpublished liefeld work 
um, including a two-page spread with characters that don't look like anything else in the book that may or may not have been from a completely different project that had nothing to do with Cable or X-Force. Um, from what we understand, there was an unpublished story that got started called Cable First Contact that some of these pages are from. Um, as well as a Weapon X story. Yes. And they were repurposed for this comic. So, Zach, you asked me before we got started, was this supposed to last for more than six issues? I, I don't know. Um, it, it Because because it's it gets followed up. There's that there's that Shatterstar miniseries that's a prequel to this and that right. comes after this. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. So there's not a lot to actually say about the content of this book. It's wild how. Okay, I want to say it's wild how unevenly paced it is. It's not wild that it's unevenly paced, but it's like issue one is issue one and two are about Scorn and Cable re-getting the team together and. <sighs> Then there's an there's an issue where they can they go to the watchtower uh, from Rob's weird not finished Wolverine arc that ended up being kind of sort of tied up in of all things Major X right yep uh, there's a new mutant liberation front led by a version of Strife that's Domino a version of Strife that is taller than Cable and has Cable's lower jaw but when takes off the helmet is a future version of domino who's paler than domino it doesn't make a lot Listen, of sense no the book doesn't make a lot of sense i would agree with you then they go and fight scorn all together also the fantastic four show up also wolverine's around because they're listen they're they're using some stuff from that wolverine series that never was <laughs> yes yeah the last issue is mostly double page splashes that don't work well and then not using the special sword that they planned on using it's a lot of posing it's a lot of very very bad panel compositions and it's just bad it's really bad it's, we it's i didn't wild. even mention i i think i alluded to this before that rob can't even remember which eyeball to put cable scars on he is flip-flopping depending on which page it is. And for the majority of this series, the light-up eye also has the scars on it. That's not correct. Yeah. You created this character. You designed him. Can't you remember which stupid thing you put on this character's face? Where? Also, so it's frustrating. The right eye. It's always the right eye. What is he talking about? It's literally always been the right eye. <sighs> like, I, I'm not looking at a picture of Cable right now. I just... If it's actually the left eye, I'm going to look like a real fool. Left eye is light up, right eye is scars. Right, right. Because it's the same thing as Shatterstar. They all, because it's the same thing as Longshot. They all, they all have that light up eye. Ugh. <sighs> there is in issue three, a subplot that gets introduced, does not get followed up in the rest of the series. Uh, has no connection to anything else that's going on, except for uh, that there is this woman, her name is... Shia Zenya, Zenaya, aka uh, her code name is Lady Anime. <laughs> and you may be thinking to yourself, is this a bit? And the answer is no. There is an X Men character who has appeared once named Lady Anime. Yes. And brother, brother, I want a six issue miniseries about Lady Anime. Lady I Anime. Gotta know. From Mount Shishabanga, which okay, gets so. mentioned several times. 
so let's <laughs> what is hella racist because <laughs> because rob does not know much about japanese i do feel like cb would give us the stamp of approval for a lady anime miniseries <sighs> yeah i feel like cb would be all for it um long story short this is very bad uh you, horrible you do not need to ever look at this uh not even like a look you should read the draco i think we've said that you should read it. It's the worst X-Men comic that ever existed. You should read it. You need to understand. This comic, you don't. No. There is absolutely no reason, unless you want to gawk at some truly ter- terrible artwork. Uh, and a Horrendous. Very nonsensical story that, it, like you said, it, it's just bewildering. So Yeah, uh, folks, if you feel like we didn't explain the plot very well, that's not our fault. <laughs> that one's not on us. I think we explained the plot much better than comic does honestly <laughs> uh um all right let's rank this thing this is a bottom feeder yeah um it's worse than x-men noir it's worse than our current number 500 knights of terra oh definitely where's yeah. the Shatterstar mini Shatterstar is down at 553 no five 544 no wait that's Shatterstar saga excuse me yeah yeah x4 Shatterstar at 553 yep. is better than this okay unequivocally better than this like, in my mind, I know it's better than this. Yeah. Um, I... Is this... Oh. Okay. X-Men 5... Or, or number 570 on our list is Magneto Volume 1, the Magneto series that's actually a Joseph series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, at least... I mean, it was awful, but I feel like it was maybe a little bit more comprehensible than this. It's kind of better than this, isn't it? And now we're getting down into it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Witchblade Wolverine, for being as stupid as it is, is still it's better than, it's still better than this. Better than this. Um, it really is. Oh, this is this is the part of the show where things get hard. Yeah, because now we're in the bottom six. And this is usually reserved for the stories that we find, like, outright offensive you know like well no it's it's reserved for three stories we find outright offensive and three uh chuck austin Austin comics (laughs) that's what it is it's three comics that are legitimately like i have i have a moral abhorrence of them and i don't you can listen to the episodes i do not particularly like a lot of the things in those chuck austin comics i not as yeah i yeah not as upset about some of them if i'm gonna just these are my two cents, but I would put it at five seventy two, just above NYX. Where's your head at? My head's with the fact that NYX is bad. Yeah, NYX is real bad. Yeah, NYX is reaching for something and failing in the most miserable and offensive ways. Mm-hmm. NYX is trying to be something more than this comic is—a comic that is literally assembled from some leftovers. To squeeze money out of nerds. And I don't know if I, I would almost, I hated this one so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, really bad. But it doesn't, it it angers me in a different way than when, you know, like in NYX, they sexualize the the young. Uh, It it angers me, it angers me in a Chuck Austin way, not in a X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire way, Hmm. which you could argue is camp. But that's just using the word camp for anything that's dumb, but you also like. Right. I would not make that argument. You know what? If someone if someone wants to argue that X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire is camp, I will listen to their argument. 
Uh, but I will I will ask them to read the comic first. I will not. And uh, for two reasons. One, no one should read it. And two, I don't want to ever hear about it again. Uh, uh, I do think more people <laughs> should understand that Marvel Comics did publish this. And yes, it did come out with the Max logo on the last two. But they, they for some reason, read the first one and said, this doesn't need to be part of our Max line. <laughs> All right. So is this better or worse than NYX? Let's go down the line here. I think it's worse than NYX. Okay. Is it better. better or worse than Holy War? It's not. I think it's worse than Holy War, but better than She Lies with Angels. Interesting. Okay. That's that's the weird line that I I feel. She Lies with Angels... She Lies with Angels has horrible, horrible Salvador Loca art that's not even trying to do anything with it. It has the weirdest continuity pulls it has the weird romeo and juliet stuff it has the weird farm sky sex stuff see i i still think that the the crucifixions and the last minute um character uh profiling of the villain in holy war put that below this like for all of it for all of its flaws this this book is just kind of like rancid can of like leftover cat food but like it's not it's not saying that a woman became a villain due to sexual assault which is what holy war does so it does holy war does explicitly say let's make this 573 okay and And we can we can put this in the past (laughs) oh bud 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 i've already told you i have plans for what i do with the future of this comic (laughs) well i have wheels within wheels adam um it, let me I tell mean, you though there's things i gotta know there's things i gotta know i don't think you're gonna get those answers but um good luck to you sir i think i'm gonna try <laughs> i think i think me and some good friends are going to have a half capacity convention center in time on our hands <laughs> and i think i think that i can i can uh i can get an egomaniac to talk about his uh, creations that people just didn't appreciate. I wish you luck, and I hope to bear witness to this. Um, oh, I, bud, bud, I can't wait. Here's what I want to say: is that um, going from what we just talked about, which is some of the worst page layouts and comic designs and control over like a character's anatomy and whatever, going from that to Darwin Cook <laughs> on Wolverine Dupe was like night and day my friend and i i thank god we are finishing off with this story because it was a visual delight uh as opposed to what we just read yeah i don't know how to i don't know how to tell you this darwin cook rules (laughs) darwin cook rest in peace my dude yeah true great absolutely like we say that people were people were taken too soon and it's not like Darwin Cook did not leave an incredible, incredible artistic legacy. But, oh my gosh, brother. He yeah. only did two issues of X-Men. Mm-hmm. He only did two issues of X-Men. But these comics are stunning. It's Darwin Cook, uh, Jay Bone on the inks, and Laura Allred does colors on this one, on these two. Peter Milligan from Ecstatics is doing the uh, writing on this. It's a phenomenally beautiful comic because it's a it's a noir send-off mm-hmm. send-up with wolverine and dupe 
looking for the pink mink, <laughs> uh, which is when exposed to air creates the mutant known as the pink lady. Yes. Uh, uh, who, who go ahead. hallucinogen and stuff. Yeah. Like, she's, she's a, she's a sexy Darwin cook lady in a pink bathrobe. <laughs> it's a mink stole. Uh, but yes, that's essentially what she is. Uh, her hair is this ethereal wisp of, of gases and smoke. Uh, and there's some weird stuff going on. We've got normal people being turned into mutants. Uh, Wolverine and Dupe are both distrustful of each other because they think each one of them has been infected and is, is seeing hallucinations. Um, but they're both teaming up to take down the pink lady and get back the pink mink, which has been stolen by uh, a, a, I guess an art dealer of some kind named the collector. It doesn't seem to be the intergalactic collector that we know from guardians of the galaxy. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be the intergalactic uh, collector, but what happens is because the pink mink uh, can distort reality, things just start happening that shouldn't Mm -hmm. Uh, Wolverine and dupe say that something's going to happen and it's fake and it just becomes real which is a lot of fun. They create the antagonist of the story on accident <laughs> as a lie. That's correct. Because what they what they are saying and thinking is becoming reality because of uh, the pink lady. Yes, and uh, it's a great concept. I I do love the concept here. So we have uh, Hunter Joe, who is kind of a, a take on on Craven, um, classic monster hunter. Is he's. You know, killed and bagged uh, what the the Loch Ness monster is. is yeah, he, he's very Scottish, and he's after uh, our. He's after the Pink Lady. He's after Wolverine. He's after Dupe. This is just a, a way. It's just such an artist showcase. You know what I mean? And and to have uh, Laura's colors on top of all this, it it has a connection, a kinship with Mike Allred's work on Ecstatics as well. Um, we're using similar palettes and my God, the man just like knows how to design a page, um, you know, from the intro pages of the, of, of both issues where he's hand lettering them and they look like our old movie style, you know, old movie posters. And, um, it's, it's just terrific to look at. And there's a trick that this comic does is it has essentially Wolverine and dupe having the same conversation mirrored with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a three-page sequence will be the exact same uh, for each character, but with their supporting cast. And normally I'd get annoyed by that, but what Cook does is use that to really emphasize using the exact same structure of comics, the difference between these characters and their reactions, and it works so well. And this is all we this is all we got from Cook in terms of X-Men. Long legacy everywhere else. This is all we got, but this is all we need, brother. Yeah. This is so good. It's an from, absolute from an art standpoint, it is fantastic. Yeah. I would say it's a it's an absolute masterclass in, you know, how to lay out pages, how to show dynamic uh action, how to use uh perspective to, you know, draw your eye into different scenes, the way he does panel layouts. Uh, it just over and over. He he's designing his own sound effects um, as we go through here. Is it is it shocking that Cook was an animator on the on the best animated Western show of the nineties? Oh, that like I've not watched, I've not watched all of the animes, but I'm gonna say of like animation that was in the nineties. I I feel like 
I feel like Batman the Animated Series, the X-Men Animated Series, artistically and in many other senses, does not hold up. Batman the Animated Series does. Yeah, for the most part. Absolutely. And you can see that there's a little touch of, you know, the way in which there's similarities between the line qualities of Bruce Timm and what Darwin Cook is doing as well. Um, You know, it's really interesting to see how Darwin plays around with line weight uh, to kind of emphasize direction or the weight of a character, um, lighting, you know, there's a host of ways that he does this, but he has a cartoony style that is also extremely believable. You know, these characters seem fluid. They seem alive. Um, they seem to move on the page. And, and it's really exciting to look at. It is. I mean, like, the pink lady is hot in this. And I'm not saying that in the weird, like, oh, comic character is such a babe kind of way. But she oozes, like, I. she she has a Jessica Rabbit quality to her. Yeah. If, like, she is, this is what a cartoon character that's trying to be sexy is and it really works for the story they are telling because it's a noir tinge story because it's pulling from cook's art style it truly is what this book needs yeah now is the story good (laughs) we don't know we've obviously been going on and on about the artwork here i would argue that the way in which milligan has scripted this story it's actually a little confusing um but the art carries it through and fills in any gaps that you might have in terms of what the story is so any weaknesses in milligan's script honestly i don't care because i just keep looking at the way that because i i would actually almost prefer this to be a, a pair of silent issues and just like follow along with what he's doing in terms of telling the story um because i feel like you could i feel like you could do a wolverine and duke team up book like You'd have to you'd have to change some stuff on here, but to get the majority of the like you'd have to get rid of some of the or you'd have to streamline some of the psychological stuff that they do here and yeah. some of the more conceptual things. Yep. But you could use at least like sixty five percent of these pages as is. Sure. Without any and, text whatsoever. Yeah, you'd be like yeah, you know what's going on here, folks. Yeah, you get it. They're doing they're doing a, they're doing a spy thing, but they don't trust each other. I have to say, as nervous as I am about Ecstatics coming back, I am really excited to see Allred take take on Dupe again. Here's the thing. Mike Allred hasn't lost a single step. Nope. I am not afraid of what will be about 12 issues of gorgeous Mike Allred art. <laughs> consistent, beautiful Always consistent. Mike and Laura art. It's going to be great. Do I want to see Peter Billigan's twisted skewing of pop culture and specifically celebrities in a what was pre-internet age, now post-internet age, and uh, how social media celebrities are? I don't. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I would love, I, I love the concept. I want, give me Leah Williams doing it. I know, friend of the show, Leah Williams. Give me, give me someone who I fully believe under give me someone who i know has a cursed uh meme folder <laughs> give me someone who gets it gwenpool was proof of that right um gwen gwen okay we're not we're not talking about uh the uh gwenpool strikes back in this episode per se though it's an x-men story so we obviously could uh 
Gwenpool Strikes Back is incredibly smart in the way that it starts as a comic about internet culture at the lowest pot common denominator and be like, LOL memes and all this stuff and everything that uh, fans of Gwenpool would be afraid of someone who doesn't understand the character taking a hold of. And then it, then it quickly becomes a textual part of the book that that those Gwen is acting that way because she feels like this is the only way that she can survive. And the idea of being eliminated forever in publishing is too terrifying for her to even comprehend because she has already given up her entire existence to live in this Marvel comic book. Uh, and then she changes from that. Like, I think, I think it's an incredibly smart book, almost too high of a concept for what it is able to do, though. I think it pulls it off more or less incredibly successfully. I am very biased. <laughs> I love it too. Um, and I love this so much, you know, that, that X-Force series we were talking about, that Wolverine and Jubilee story, I was more than happy for them to be, you know, Wolverine Jubilee, nothing against it. It's just I, four issues was enough. Uh, six issues of that X-Force story, way too many issues. This, I, I would have taken a, a, a whole run of uh cook illustrating these characters even if it was just wolverine and duke but uh i would have yeah i do think i do think the story that they are telling is a two issue story yes yes would i like to see it may be a one and a half issue story would i like to have seen the further adventures of uh wolverine and duke with uh cook drawing it absolutely so i think especially if you are a fan of the artist or you're a fan of the ecstatics era um and maybe miss this one it's it's definitely worth tracking down. Now, we have quite high on our list is Wolverine and X-Men uh, number 17 at 40 on our list. I, I don't think that this is as um, uh, is quite as witty as that one is. Um, you yeah, know, we the, ranked that one. Did we rank that one episode one? We probably did, yeah. It, it was, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's it, it it was on it was on the first day. I know it was on the first it day was. we recorded. Definitely. Definitely. We did three episodes in a row uh, <laughs> without ever talking to each other before. It's the amazing origin story. So I feel I feel like you and I would redo the podcast like the start of the podcast, we would do things a little differently, <laughs> knowing what we know now. But I, I definitely don't think it's that high on the list. Um I it, don't. It's a beautiful book, but the, the story is just okay. Um, which makes it a little more difficult to rank. How do you feel about it compared to something like Mojo Mayhem at 107? I think it's better than Mojo Mayhem. Better than Mojo Mayhem. I think this breaks the top 100. Interesting. Personally. Okay. All right. How high do you want to go? Now I'm curious. I'm, so am I, because we've got a lot of good stuff here, and I'm looking. I'm looking at you know like short stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably in my mind on par with Wolverine: The Jungle Adventure. Another story where the art is driving everything and the story is letting the art drive. I do think the Jungle Adventure, I, I'm looking to my heart of hearts and I'm putting them against each other. I do think the Jungle Adventure is stronger. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And we have some other art showcases around here. Like at 86, we have the Asgard Shi'ar War from Mighty Thor. You just highlighted Ultimate X-Men World Tour, which is uh Bachelo. Here's what I'd say. This has a lot of the same DNA as Fallen Angels at number 94. I would agree. I would agree. Obviously, um, I think the art here in this Wolverine Dupe series is better, 
but I have a fond, a, more of a fondness for Fallen Angels. So I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we we are 100% letting the art guide this choice, though, because I, I do think that the story is not this high on the list if it was done by a different artist. I agree with that. Number 102 is Empire X-Men. I think Empire X-Men is worse. I think that's my floor. Okay. This Because is... I, I think this is better than that. I know it's better than X-Force, Angels, and Demons. Where is that? Right below it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm okay with that. I don't think this is emotionally as strong as uh, Uncanny 314, Early Frost. It's not better than what's right below that X-Men, but Black Emma Frost. No. It's not. That's at 97. That no. one's better. But it's biased. It's still better. Better than Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix at 99, which I really like. I would... This is on par with Further Adventures of Cyclops in Phoenix with me. Yeah, I think that's a good good spot. So above or below. I think this is better than Executioner Song. I do. <laughs> the art is definitely better. Uh, so An Executioner Song does not have bad art. It does not. But, but Cook is absolutely killing it here. So I'm okay if we slot it in between there. That would make this our new number 100. I think that's, a, that's, a, that's an honorable spot for Wolverine Dupe. Nice. What a wild, weird selection of stories we had today, Zach. We got a top and bottom 100 in this one. Very strange. Normally, normally we're dummies and we pick three stories that we feel about the same about. <laughs> no, I like this. It was like an emotional roller coaster. I went through a lot in this episode. I feel like you did too. And I hope Robert uh, feels like uh, they got their money's worth. Uh, if you want to be like Robert, you can go on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf. Dig deep into your hearts and in your pocketbooks and uh, toss a couple of coins in our coffers. Talk to us. Just talk to, just, just talk to us about uh, what we can do to make the website ComicsXF uh, the greatest destination for all things comic book related or just, you know, whatever. All the money goes towards uh, paying our writers mm-hmm. and contributors and editors and anyone who plays a role on the site. Uh, we we it, it's it's all to them. You can you can see the balance sheet if you really want. I don't keep that good of books. Please don't make me show you a balance sheet. <laughs> It'd be here's how the balance would be. Here's all of our income. Here's all of the money that's going out. Oh, it seems like Zach's losing money. What's up with that? And it's because I have bad hobbies. It's because my hobbies are weird, folks. Uh, I can't talk. I, I just paid money for a newsprint copy of X-Men Mutant Trivia to come from the great uh, nation of uh, Britain in the mail. And how much of that money could you have reinvested in the site, Adam? (laughs) I'm just saying, did you need that trivia book, Adam? (laughs) I'm sorry, no. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a great question. Um, It's a bad question. It's a bad, (laughs) bad question. But if you were going to uh, do that, Adam Adam pretty much took pictures of the trivia book. I did. It's a weird trivia book. Yeah, go check that um, out. On, on uh, Twitter.com at Arthur Stacy, is that where they can check that out? That's me. That's me. They would have to scroll back a while by the time this episode goes <laughs> up, because you did that like last week as we're recording. Yes, but it's there. If you if you want to go test your metal, it's uh, it's actually some surprisingly difficult questions, depending on what you Yeah, say. I did bad with it. I started, I said, oh no, this is... <laughs> This feels trivial to me. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Next week. Yeah, what are we doing? Oh, buddy, it's it's time for it's time for one of our favorite sub shows on this show. Ooh. Um, it's power pack time. <gasps> right. The kids are back. These these boys and girls, they are back. 
in town again. <laughs> Spread the word around. Guess who's back in town? <laughs> Until then, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!